Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about the tyranny of metrics. <laughs> when metrics go wrong. <laughs> so we, we talked about metrics and uh, getting a big picture view of your business and that sort of thing a couple episodes back. Uh, it, we wanted to kind of talk about the flip side of that where, uh, you know, maybe being overly focused on metrics and how that can kind of mess with your head and undermine your success. Yeah, yeah, because I'm thinking especially when it comes to starting a new business line, right? So maybe mm -hmm. you decide you've been consulting and you want to start a coaching program mm -hmm. um, or you want to do an online program of some kind and, and you set this metric to go with that, like, okay, I want to sell 100 of these. And, you know, you do all the work on the launch and then it launches and you sell 50. <laughs> right. So is that a success or a failure? Right. Yeah. It, it, it can really, uh, when the estimate is kind of far off the actual, it can be extremely demoralizing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times when you, when you hear people talking about uh, goal setting, a lot of times you'll see the word realistic in there where you don't want to say, I need to have $10 million in the bank by the time I'm 30, you know, like, <laughs> okay, like maybe you're going to start a startup and maybe like, but why set, I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, but that seems like uh, setting yourself up for failure because you could have a, what anybody else would consider a monster success, but you only have a million dollars in the bank by the time you're 30. You're like, oh, poor me, right? So, you know, as, as I suppose with everything, yeah, I mean, I talk about the perception of value all the time. Value is not like an objective reality. It's a thing. It's a feeling that exists in your head. It yes. could be the same thing with success. So if you set yourself up for unrealistic goals uh, or even even you could set yourself. It's fine, if you, I suppose, if you set yourself up with unrealistic goals, if they motivate you to take action moving toward that goal and not just overwhelm you. And then when you get your actual numbers, you don't get upset overly upset that you perhaps didn't hit your goal. Well, when you say, you know, the, the big goal, I mean, it's like your big idea. Like, what's the change you want to see in the world? That's big. Yeah. That is a giant, giant goal that, you know, doesn't just go away. And, and you're not necessarily seeing results on that every day. But when you tie that to metrics and say, well, if I don't get 100 people, I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get 100 people, it means that I need to go and spend all this time marketing to get the, the extra 50 while I ignore the 50 that I already have. Yes. So that to me, that's, it's kind of like the big bang metric. So if you are focused on a particular outcome, like like you said, a number of signups for some new course you're launching or something like that, and you only get halfway there, then spending all of your follow-up energy on things like spamming your list or paying for ads or setting up affiliate programs with people, instead of concentrating on growing what did work, in other words, it's like mm -hmm. thrashing around with tactics that you'd that you've heard will get you more, you know, it's kind of like turning into a spammer because you didn't hit this unrealistic <laughs> number that you had instead of being like, okay, how am I going to kind of nurture this garden that I've got going where I've got these 50 people? How can I make um, the product better? How can I make the experience better for these people? And then build and build and build on the, 
I mean, it's still a success. It just, you just didn't hit the number you wanted, but it's still a success. And if you can view it like that and still kind of coexist with your, uh, your numbers, um, I think, I think that's the way to go. Like my, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that we've talked about authority mindset. I think that's part of this is part of the authority mindset is saying, okay, so I set an audacious goal of a hundred. I didn't hit it. I got to 50. So I have 50 people that are engaged in the mission. What can I do with those people? I have 50. And it doesn't mean that you can't still want 100, but it's, the, it's that recognizing that I do have 50 people who have enlisted. And how can I take that forward? It's that, it's that sort of mindset of abundance, right? Is the glass half empty or is it half full? Uh-huh. You know, 50, 100, which is it? Um, but yeah, and it's, it's not about being Pollyanna. It's like, oh, I'm really happy with 50, even though I wanted 100. It's, hey, I'm starting this. This is a good start. Mm-hmm. Now I need to do the next thing to get these 50 people to be um, my apostles for yeah. this idea and this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a business, like an authority style business for sure. Mm-hmm. I think an important distinction here is the the difference between progress, yeah, progress metrics and success metrics. So when I'll mm-hmm. do a, a project back when I was doing consulting on a software project, I would want to have both. So there's a su- success metric that would happen at the end, but there'd be a progress metric that we all agreed would lead to the success metric. Probably, I mean, no one can see the future, but we'd all agree and say, I think if we double the number of leads that are signing up for our mailing list, then our revenue will increase by 25%. So the success Mm. metric is increased by 25%. The progress metric is the number of leads signing up. So as you're doing things along the way, you can see the trend. And if the trend is moving toward the success, the progress metric is moving toward the success metric. It's a lot less disappointing if you don't hit the success metric on a particular date because you can see the trend is going to get there. You mm-hmm. know, it's, maybe it's just going to take a little longer. So it's not it's not a failure yet, so to speak. Right. And I think uh, differentiating those is, you know, having only success metrics with no idea how to measure your progress, especially if it's like a long term thing. Like, you know, I want to have a 10 million bucks by the time I'm 30. It's like, okay, but what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to, you know, you're 20, you've got 10 years. What are you going to do to make sure you're getting closer? You have to measure something. Right. right. So what's it going to be? And you need to have a conversation with yourself or your mentors or um, partners and say, okay, what sh- what can we measure on a daily or weekly basis that would reasonably result in this outcome? Yes. Yes. And it's, I mean, it's a challenge too. I mean, when you think about things like social media, it gets so easy to measure someone by how many followers they have. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's not what matters. What matters is how does it move the needle on what you're doing? And it might be esoteric. It might be that you want to get a certain, um, milestone of followers so that when you go to media you look like you have some authority Mm -hmm. right it might be something as simple as that but it might also be that you're using social media as a distribution channel for your ideas and your stuff and you're getting people to come to your website and enroll with you get on your email list well that's 
something that matters. That's something we can look and say, yes, that results in revenue because they follow these three steps and they become a client or a buyer. Right. So this is this is tougher to do for folks who are new. Uh, for if you've been around, if you've been doing business for like ten years or something, you're going to have a little bit more potentially going to have more experience knowing what, for example, conversion rates are. And like when this number moves, it results in that number going up or down. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, you know, I also talk about this with my students. It's like, what kind of clients do you want to look for? You want to look for clients that have more business maturity than clients who have less business maturity in general. So like in general, working with a first time startup is a, from a value pricing standpoint is a terrible place to be because they don't have anything to measure. They don't have any experience. They don't have any historical record. There's like, like there are no numbers. There's nothing to move. Mm-hmm. They just want to be the next Facebook or they want to be the next TikTok or whatever the thing is. It's like, okay. We'll know it's successful when we see it. Yeah. yeah. Which leaves all of the pressure to the end. And that's mm-hmm. right. So you have nothing to measure along the way. This is where scope creep comes from. This is people just like backseat or the client backseat driving the engagement. Because nobody knows where they're going or what they're doing. So it's, you know, I certainly have students who make great money working with first-time startups. Like, it's not that it's impossible. But if we're talking about metrics, you it's helpful to have some kind of experience or historical numbers, like some analytics to look at. So for, I have a phone call later today. It's like, you know, with a client who's like, eh, you know, we are not getting enough we would like to make more money. <laughs> okay. All right. So then the conversation is what would lead to more money? It's like, how many, how many sales conversations are you having? Not very many. Okay. What would lead to more sales conversations? Um, more people joining our mailing list. Yes. Okay. We can do that. How many, how would we get more people to join your mailing list? Well, more traffic to the website would be a good start. Okay, great. What, how much traffic is on the website now? And so they've got historical data where we can have a baseline of like, okay, this many people coming to the website, translates into this many people signing up for the newsletter, which translate into this many people getting on a sales call, which translate into this, you know, it's like you can see mm-hmm. the numbers all the way down because they've been in business for 10 or 20 years. And, you know, we can look at that and say, all right, if the goal is to say double revenue and we believe that that these are sort of connected causally. So like if we can increase the number of leads, then that's going to increase the next milestone and that'll increase the next milestone and that'll increase the final milestone. And if everybody's in agreement on that, you can measure your progress before the success metric is is achieved by saying like, well, leads or traffic to the website's quadrupled. Mm-hmm. Cool. So if, if all else remains the same, conversion rates at each point, if if that remains the same, then it's reasonable to assume that over some period of time, not, you know, we could probably check and see how long it would take, but over some period of time, those are going to turn into clients. So Anyway, so that's just a, one random example of like the difference between a progress metric and a success metric and being able to see a trend over time instead of like holding your breath and being like, you know, like chewing your fingernails and be like, geez, I hope this turn, you know, I hope all this stuff we're doing, all these activities we're doing turns into some kind of of magically, luckily hits a home run for us at, at the end of some, you know, at some deadline, like when you turn 30 or when your business is, you know, 10 years old. It's like, what's the objective? It's important to have an objective, but then pick a strategy and tactics and have things to measure along the way, not just at the end. Well, yeah, and I, 
I think you started that by talking about that it's hard for people who are new because you're experimenting. And so the key is to watch things and it's not always possible to know which things are really working. So you could decide, oh man, my Instagram's going off the chart, but it's not converting into anything. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so you might be willing to keep doing that because of the way that the message is being amplified. It might tie right into something that you want to do. But if it doesn't, and the metric is saying, well, this is good, um, then you have to like keep your mind focused on what is going to actually move the needle. Do you have to fund the mission? And if you do, how can you convert all those um, views, likes, whatever, into something real, like, mm-hmm. like your chain of, of related events? So... It's harder, I think, when you're new because you are experimenting. You're not sure what will work yet. But that's also why you want to be a little bit of, you know, Mr. Oz behind the the curtain or (laughs) where, you know, or Oz. You said Mr. Oz? Anyway, um, (laughs) I was thinking Dr. Oz, but that's a whole other thing. So it's like, what levers are you pressing and what is it? What is an impact? But going back to the idea for this episode is the tyranny of metrics is metrics are really important they help tell us how we're doing and whether what we're doing is working the key is to divide them into good and bad Mm. metrics or at least to not maybe it's the opposite maybe it's that you don't assign a value sometimes and my my example of wanting 100 and getting 50 Um, if, if I were talking to a client and they wanted a hundred and they got 50 and it was a new thing, I'd be really excited for the 50. Oh yeah. I I mean, I'd be thrilled. Now, if they wanted a hundred and they got five, then you have to say, okay, so let's look at that. What do we think? What do we think that means? Does it, you know, does it mean the idea is ahead of its time? Does it mean maybe they just don't have a big enough audience to talk to about this? Right. If you're talking to 100 people and you get five, that's really good. I mean, a direct mail response person would tell you that you hit a home run. Right. So it's looking behind the surface level of metrics so that you you allow them to to show you how you're doing, but also to feed you in ways that are positive mm-hmm. for your mindset. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like I, I can think of um, like a launch, a, a TPS launch, which is like I don't launch a lot of things, but usually when I'm when I early on when I would launch that, it's a big is relatively expensive and it's a big time commitment for people. And I, you know, I definitely did the math. Like what, what's the, I didn't have like a, I kind of had a goal, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a binary proposition for me. So like, I, you know, it would be great if I had a hundred people, a hundred people is the best number to have, or at least the, the, when there's a hundred people in TPS, something happens that doesn't happen with less than a hundred or fewer than a hundred. Mm-hmm. because it it gels in a different way like it still works with when there's uh, not 100 people in it you know if there's like 20 or 30 or 40 people in it it feels more like a class it feels more like a workshop and like i'm teaching the class but when there's 100 there's enough people in there for it to break into groups and they help each other more mm. and to me it increases the engagement that they have and it makes the overall thing work better instead of me pushing, 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 it's like they're being pulled along by their, by their group. Yeah. And it just happens naturally. It doesn't seem to happen 
with fewer than 100 people. It's like right around 100, I notice this start to happen. I think if there were 1,000, you know, it could support, the software would support 1,000, and it would just happen more. Um, so for me, when I first launched, I was like, I really wanted to have 100 because I knew that, I, I suspected that that would happen. But in times when I've launched and only gotten 50, I'm not like bummed. You know, it's just like, oh, well, you know, like it's, it's still working. And, you know, and I observed that. I don't know if you remember, because you had told me the 100, and then you had a number that was less than 100, and you said, hey, you know, I'm really excited about this. I mean, we had a, a rather deep conversation about it, and I think that's exactly the way that we want to think about it. Mm. I mean, otherwise, how are we going to get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> I wanted 100, and I got 75. I'm a loser. Yeah. Wrong. Right. <laughs> you, you got 75 people who are excited to try out this thing. Yeah, I see. I see goals as it's kind of a goal like that. A success metric like that is kind of like the center of a bullseye. It's like the, it's like yeah, it's great if you hit that, but you know if you're still getting points on the board, keep playing. Well, you know, yeah, because where does that number come from? Yeah, just made right? it up. Yeah, or or sometimes we work backwards. We're like, okay, so this is a thousand dollars, and I'd I like need to, to make fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's all nice to do that, but the market isn't really interested in making sure you have a certain amount of money. They're interested <laughs> in whether what you're offering is going to solve a problem that they have. Yeah, yeah. It's like people who reverse engineer their hourly rate based on the lifestyle they want, and I'm like, hmm. I don't know if your customers feel obligated to deliver this lifestyle that you want to you. <laughs> exactly. Like, the world is not obligated to pay you handsomely for engaging in your favorite hobby. So, you know, you got to figure out how to make it valuable to somebody so that they're happy to trade money for it. But yeah, yeah so I think, you know, and there, you know, if $100, $100, 100 people was like a good goal for me, it wasn't about the money as much as the experience of the seminar for the people in it that was it was more of a goal like that if i had more than like five or ten people sign up for it like financially i'm doing you know obviously more money's better but it's worth doing you know so right. like the, it's worth your while right so i did have like you know ideally i would have a hundred maybe more um if i only got two i would probably cancel it but that's mm -hmm. a huge range in between two and a hundred, <laughs> you, you know? And so any, you know, anywhere in the 40, 50, 60, I'm definitely going to run it. Um, you know, would 500 be amazing? I would love to experience 500 in it just to see how, you know, see what kind of like culturally and socially what happens with that number of people. Like if it breaks into different groups or if, you know, factions emerge, <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's an interesting exercise to go through, but it's not something that I'm going to get all depressed about if the numbers are still trending in the right direction. So, you know, I, uh, well, there's also that question of how does the thing that you're looking at feed into your whole business model? So if in Jonathan's example, if, um, that was their entry point to you and you had some $10,000 thing you were selling, mm -hmm. right? Even if you had five people, if they had a great experience, you might still say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that because of that five, I think some percentage of them, and you'll know what that is after you do it a number of times, but I think some percentage of them are gonna buy this $10,000 thing. So even if you didn't make money at that, you might still do it. So you always wanna look at how does the thing that you're doing impact the rest of your business model? Right, yeah, like for example, like if somebody buys a coaching call with me, the odds of them 
ending up in my private coaching program are way higher. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a fan of uh, um, loss leaders, but uh, there are certainly there's certainly that dynamic does exist even with me where it's like certain things are more affordable on purpose because I know that it increases the odds that they're going to end up buying something more premium down the road. So it definitely is a factor. And I can see a connection between, you know, these milestones. It's kind of like the milestones I said before about website traffic into leads, into prospects, into sales. It For me, it, you know, with enough, you know, what is it, four years of data, I can look back and say, oh, well, what do you know? Of the people who ended up in my private coaching program, 75% of them had a coaching call first. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 100% of them were on my list for more than a year or whatever it is. Yeah. And those, and that's why metrics aren't always a tyranny. Those things are really important to know. I think the other thing that sort of struck me is that I think if you come out of corporate, it kind of doesn't matter what function you were in. You had some kind of a KPI or a series right. of them, right, when you were there. And so then you start your own business and you're like, okay how am I going to measure what this is? And, you know, in the first year, it's probably just, you know, can I pay the rent or the mortgage and buy my groceries? You know, mm-hmm. what does this feel like? Um, but over time, you know, you start looking at these things. And I just want to say KPIs don't directly translate into an authority business. Yes, you want to have metrics. Yes, you want to have goals, but they need to make sense. They're not there to tyrannize you mm-hmm. and to have you wake up feeling like you're doing you know, a bad job. It's, we all need to be clear eyed about what metrics are telling us. Is our business growing? Is it not? But the flip side is we can't let them run our lives either. Yeah. I mean, you can change them. So you can say like, you know what, this, this, uh, these Instagram, this, you know, all these Instagram followers are translating into nothing. I can't make them matter in any way. And then you realize, okay, this is a vanity metric. It's doing nothing for me. Uh, I, I've tried to turn it into something. It's it's not turning into anything. So I'm going to stop tracking it. I'm going to stop putting time into it. I'm going to do something different. Uh, I suppose there are two approaches. You know, if you had, I suppose the other approach is like, I'm going to try a different tactic to make these followers matter and like something, deliver some kind of business value to me so I can continue to do this. Mm-hmm. Like maybe... Uh, whatever, maybe uh, maybe you were trying to turn them directly into customers, or you were trying to get them to turn into signups. But instead, maybe you could use it as um, a way to get your foot in the door, like in a PR way, or you mm-hmm. know, some other. You know, you could kind of leverage it yeah. in some other direction. But yeah, the idea of the idea of saying like, uh, you know, I don't know, like reading somebody's somebody's somebody else's metrics for for growing their business might not apply to yours. Probably they probably don't. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and, it should be flexible so, with them. Yeah. Plus, I think there's their metrics and then there are qualitative pieces about the business. And we've talked about that probably ad nauseum. But it's you, most of us, the reason we got into business is so we could do more of what we really love to do mm-hmm. and more of where we can really have an impact. So mm-hmm. there's that piece. And, you know, in fact, we, we when I had my, um, my business with employees, we did a monthly thing and I would have them rate their quality of life. Like, mm-hmm. how happy are you? And it didn't matter. It wasn't about work. It was anything. Like, how happy are you with what's happened this month? Anywhere from one to 10. And we, we averaged it out so that every month we could see how people were feeling. And yeah. it sounds like such a silly little metric, but it was major because sometimes that number moved like a whole lot. Mm. 
And that would tell me if it moved in the wrong direction that maybe I wasn't doing so well yeah. <laughs> that, that month and needed to pay attention because, you know, in, a, in an authority business, all you have are your people. Right. Yeah. And you can t- absolutely measure intangibles. That could be an important metric for sure. Morale, brand repute. This, this stuff is totally measurable. Customer satisfaction, you know, five-star ratings they exist. They're, they're meaningful. Like you ever yeah. go to, you ever buy something on Amazon, something new on Amazon without looking at the reviews or the stars? No. No. <laughs> is that scientific? No, but it's useful. It's powerful. Well, it's interesting, you know, that some of the things people say. <laughs> In fact, I just bought something this weekend as a, a coverlet for the bed and there were no comments. And I'm like, oh, do I do it? It looks really cool. I really like. I did buy it finally, but I agonized over it because I had no way of knowing. <laughs> Nobody said, yeah, this is true to size. Yeah, you know, it doesn't fall apart the first time you wash it. You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and but also it's your own rankings. And I've right. done this at periodic pivots in my business where I, I just went, you know what? I'm not having fun with this. Right. This is not fun. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Or um, it might be you know, one particular client, not necessarily the, the people, but the work. Um, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm saying no to that stuff. Yep. Um, or I had a client ask me to do something I really don't want to do. And I said, I really can't do it. I said, not at any price. I said, that's the problem. It's like, you can't, you can't pay me enough to do this. But how about if we find a person who really likes to do this one thing? And I actually have somebody like that in my circle. And how about I put you together with them and they do that for you? Right. And yeah, problem solved. Right. Yeah. And that takes some experience and a little bit of self-awareness and maturity to like be in touch with how, you know, the vibe that you get. But yeah, I absolutely, I, for myself as a soloist, it's like, it's, it's pretty informal for me, but there are a couple of things that I notice. Like, uh, if I stop going, if I stop doing any kind of like workouts, I know something's wrong. Like I'm too busy or mm. s- something because the first thing that goes when I get busy or frazzled or stressed out is the workouts. And it hasn't happened, actually, it hasn't happened since I started karate, which is great. But before that, when I was like going to the gym or running and I could just tell like, I I didn't run once this week, like something's wrong. And more recently I've had, uh, I haven't had a problem with that more recently, but um, I do know exactly what you, you know, I've had the same experience you just described where certain, I'm sure everybody's had this experience where they get an email from a client and they're just like, ugh. (laughs) right like that don't skip over that like it doesn't have to be like that you know hopefully you're not getting that feeling from every client but (laughs) yeah but if you have if you have like you know a bunch of clients and one of them is just like ugh, you're drained it's just drained like it doesn't have to be a client it could be anything it could be like a particular task whenever you have that feeling like oh you just drink you feel it makes you feel tired you look you want to lay down Mm -hmm. to me that's like that's like alarm bells going off. Like, okay, something needs to be done here because if I'm not excited about the more things I'm not excited about in my day, the less excited I'm going to be, the more depressed I'm going to be. I'm going to be like, Oh, I don't want to do this. It doesn't feel like fun. Mm-hmm. If I, if I wanted to have a not fun job, I'd go work for somebody. I want to have a, <laughs> you know, I want to have a fun job. I want to like, I want to be like, yeah. I don't even want to go on vacation. My job is like vacation. So any of those, you know, I, I could, would, I don't know if I would call that a metric, but I definitely, I'm conscious of it. And I, in a, 
it's it's not a metric in the sense that I track it like with a smiley face on my calendar every day or a frowny face, but I detect it and I'm sensitive to it when I get that that exhausted feeling when something happens, I make note of it. And, you know, and I can tell sort of anecdotally without tracking it, I can see if, if I'm like, if I'm good or if I'm not good. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I mentioned this to you this morning before we started recording. So I had last week off and which means we didn't record the podcast and I missed it. <laughs> I was so excited this morning and, you know, we'd agreed that we would record two today. Mm. And I was like, I was really excited. I couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you know, we had the ideas ahead of time and we'd had some crosstalk about it. But yeah, it's that uh, that hell yes, mm -hmm. right? And right. so the flip side is, yeah, when you get that sinking feeling, it's like you got to find another way to make a living mm -hmm. than doing those kinds of projects. Yep. Yeah. So what? So what's the moral of the story here? Use <laughs> use metrics for good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Don't. Yes. Don't be enslaved to your metrics. You know, just they're, they're a tool for you to reach your goals. So, you know, if they're not working or they're unrealistic, you can correct them. You can change them. You know, like it, it's yes. all kind of, uh, you know, you're kind of trying to predict the future. I mean, you really are when you're setting them, you're very much trying to predict the future and you, you're probably wrong. So don't be surprised if you need to make adjustments or completely just change your direction or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, don't, don't feel like they're in charge of you. Like yeah. if, yeah, you know what it is? If they're yeah. affecting your mood in a negative way, that's a problem. That's the thing. That's, that's the connection there. So like if the metrics are, if you're bumming you out, fix, you got to fix it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, and I, I, I don't want to be a Pollyanna and say, we don't need metrics. We do. We're running a business. We need to know where's the revenue coming from. Right. How much am I, how much am I actually keeping of what I'm making? Where's it going? How am I spending my time? But <laughs> the, but is, you know, don't let it take over your life. Cause that's not why you got into this to begin with. Right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, that's probably enough from us. <laughs> <laughs> In one day. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.